spoiler alert, the films we review on the Slashers and Screamers podcast are guaranteed to be spoiled in full if you listen beyond this point. If you've not seen the film we're reviewing this week, I urge you to find it and watch it to your heart's content before joining us. But if you don't care and just want to listen to fun conversations, then by all means, stick around for Slashers and Screamers. David Mann, a mild-mannered electronic salesman, is driving cross-country on a two-lane highway when he encounters an old oil tanker driven by an unseen driver who seems to enjoy annoying him with dangerous antics on the road. Unable to escape the demonic big rig, David finds himself in a dangerous game of cat and mouse with the monstrous truck. When the pursuit escalates to deadly levels, David must summon his inner warrior and turn the tables on his tormentor. That smell. <laughs> we watched the Steven Spielberg debut of Duel. <laughs> Groovy. It's just a creepy movie. It definitely creeps you out for sure. Somebody has to be perfect, so it might as well be. Talk about deja vu. Live to tell the tale. You gotta find one of the world. It's the Slashers and Screamers podcast. You guys ever been to Sam's Sports Grill in uh, Hendersonville? Yeah, yeah. They have the yeah. best fried pickles. Um, so I'm just gonna pretend you didn't say that. Um, you don't like they pickles. Ha- it's not all about like you. It well, I mean, this story is all about me. I did ask y'all a question though, and you can really only answer from your own I perspective. Said yes. Okay, Rick, calm down. You get so fucking aggressive all the time, <laughs> like all the time. As long as I've known you, um, so I went there for the first time uh, yesterday, last night, and might I say they've got the best fried pick uh, no uh chicken tenders i've ever had in my life they do have good chicken tenders that's true as and, well and the barbecue sauce is out of this world so i tried to sweet talk the waitress into well obviously relations but also out of that you know the brand name of barbecue sauce and she wouldn't come off of it she gave me some bullshit excuse like oh we make it in-house which might be true she goes, I can get you a whole bunch of sides of it to take home. And I was like, oh, you know what? That would be great. But no, don't do that. I used to work next door to there. And every Thursday they do karaoke. And there was a guy who used to come every Thursday and do In the Air Tonight. And it was really good, actually. Just long. Was it good every time? Yeah, same guy. So same voice. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I, I thought, like, you know, I don't know. I, I hear Sweet Caroline every time I go to a Nashville Sounds game, and it's cool the first three games, and then it's not so cool. No, this guy was really good. Okay. Yeah, I, I know what's next door to, um, you know, I, I live my life knowing what's next door to Sam's. Um, there's actually two stores that, you know, maybe I'll stand outside the window like a puppy dog <laughs> looking at somebody um you know eating spaghetti noodles and having the time of their life i'm just staring at these caked up mannequins and one uh, of those stores wasn't there when i was so torrid wasn't there no it opened a few years after i left okay well um i noticed it and yeah i wonder how much it would cost to buy a man never mind it doesn't matter none of they are like a thousand dollars 
what would a prostitute of that same size be to keep forever? That, Less than a thousand? <laughs> to keep forever? Not yeah. sure. Okay. It's probably more than a thousand, so I'll just buy the mannequin. Well, um, what have y'all been doing all week? Nothing. Nothing. Are we recording? Hmm? Hello? James wants to know if we're doing the podcast in this moment right now. No, James, yeah, we're just having yeah. friendly conversation amongst each other. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I started recording a long time ago. I, I, just, I just hit record. I didn't want to fuck with an intro. I just wanted to <laughs> seg into this thing and talk about thick mannequins. I got this new uh, headset, Bill. <laughs> Do you now? It's Is that a... why you sound majestic? It's got an AC jack and a what are them other jacks called? Jumping. Uh, shit. AC jack. Rick, you uncultured. Nikola Tesla jack is what you mean. Hmm. You know, it's a little, it's a little square one. Like the USB, the mini USB. Yeah. What would happen if I plugged both these in at the same time, Bill? Your head's gonna blow up. Sure death. You would cease to be. Well, I guess I'll leave that alone. Are we on the podcast right now? <laughs> yes, James. We, we've been recording for like five minutes. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. I figured I would just, you know, let this thing be organic. See what came up. See, now that everybody knows, there, there's so much stage fright that nobody wants to say anything. <laughs> Leaving me to look, you know, like a fucking perv talking about these caked up mannequins. I want to talk about this movie. There was one mannequin, like, in the corner. Oh, my God. Like, she just had it all kicked out of gear, and, like, she was telling somebody off. Like, maybe they cut her off in traffic, but she didn't get out right then, but she found him in, like, a parking spot, and then she parked and got out and kicked it out of gear and gave him what for. Like that's I think the you're kind describing of the movie Duel. A lot of things have happened in the last couple of days. <laughs> watching Duel... And watching these mannequins were... It all runs together. It could have run together. I'm getting old, you know? So, tell you what. B- before, you know, things get really out of hand, let's just go ahead and get that rundown from Rick. I cooked a turkey. All right, so this week we did the 1971 action thriller film, Duel. It was the first film ever directed by Steven Spielberg. You would know him from movies such as Indiana Jones, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Saving Private Ryan. I mean, he's done a whole host of awesome movies, Jurassic Park, um, a lot of different stuff. The really main, only main actor in this literally is, I mean, there's supporting, but the main one, his name is Dennis Weaver. He's best known, he was the former actor and former president of the Screen Actors Guild. He's best known for his early work in television and films from the 1950s. He was Marshall Matt Dillon's trusty partner, Chester slash Proudfoot, on the CBS Western Gunsmoke, and Deputy Marshall Sam McLeod on the NBC police drama drama McLeod. Um, He was also in a role as the twitchy motel attendant in Orson Welles' film Touch of Evil. This was 74 minutes long on TV. It was 90 minutes in the theaters. The budget was 450000 um, It came out in the U.S. And that's honestly pretty much all I really have for this movie. It's just pretty cut and dry. So, yeah, that was the movie we did this week called Duel. Thank you, Rick, for that fantastic rundown. Uh, no so, James... <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, this was your movie, bro. Oh, and by the way, um, 
This is a Slashers and Screamers podcast, a Slasher Sports production. Find us on Twitter at Slasher Sports, on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Slasher Sports Media. James, this was your pick, bro. How'd you settle on this? Yeah, it was, Bill. Uh, my dad just made me watch this movie. Your dad makes little... you do a lot of weird things. Like, he, he doesn't make you clean your room. He doesn't make you take out the trash. He makes you watch Evil Dead, and he makes you watch Duel. It's like you're going to be in trouble if you don't sit through it. Well, that's how I've grown to be the man I've become. Mm. Well, you know, the guy that wrote this... Saturday, Bill. Cooked a turkey. Okay, so we're, we're just going to jump back to the, you know, what, what, have, what have you done this week question. So well, I'm, I didn't know I'm all we, about hearing it. I didn't know we were filming at that point in time. Well, they're only filming me. The, the camera crew's behind me, as you can see. They're only filming me. But, you know, we're the audio is coming through for all of you. So, please, speak freely. Well, I cooked a turkey, Bill. I fried a turkey. I smoked a turkey. I smoked a ham. Which one was the Were best? they good? They were pretty good. And I made dressing, too. What kind of dressing? Cornbread dressing. I would like some of that now, please. Well, I'll stick it in the mailbox. Thank you. Leave the door open because she ain't stopping. <laughs> well, you know, the guy that wrote this, uh, Richard Matheson, uh, he was inspired to write the original story, you know, Duel, um, after his own tailgating truck driver on the very day that John F. Kennedy was killed. <clears throat> he got he was- chased by a truck the very day John F. Kennedy got killed. That's what I said. He wrote a lot of stuff. I didn't know. I'm. I had heard the name, but like I looked into a lot of stuff he wrote. He's written a lot of really good uh, Twilight Zone episodes, including the um, what is it, Twenty Thousand Leagues in the Air, the William Shatner one. Yeah, the 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 only one that matters if you only pick out one episode. Okay, I don't like know. to to me that episode to is you. Like at the very tip top of the of total pole. To you. And then everything else is right below it. It's all great television, but that one is the one. There's someone on the way. Something. You are so <laughs> And I think he went to space. Well, technically he didn't go to, well, he, well sort of, but anyway. Well, well I didn't he know boldly... he, did, he, he did a lot of, well, not he, I'm, I'm talking about Richard Matheson. He did well, like, we're what, talking about Bill Shatner. Well, I, I think... <laughs> Oh, shit. What is that, a fourth turkey? <laughs> the turkey's done, Bill. I gotta go. <laughs> well, you know, Twilight Zone is where Spielberg became a fan of Richard Matheson, old Dick Matheson, um, you know, before he, you know, wrote this one. So, I mean, the, the, the ties all bind together eventually. Six degrees of separation of Dick Matheson is what we should be playing. The ties that bind, isn't that a soap opera? It should be. The ties that bind us are like hourglass <laughs> and still an hourglass. So days of our days lives, of our right? Lives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got really invested in The Young and the Restless for two summers. I was really invested in James's attempt at digging into what the title of this <laughs> this soap opera was going to be. <laughs> I was along for a really wild ride there for about 10 seconds. <laughs> and it was the taken away. <laughs> like sands in hourglass. These are the days of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> so it goes from 
<laughs> days of our lives to law and order real fucking fast. <laughs> so the victim has anal contusions. So guys, we, we've got Duel. And as Rick told us earlier, um, old Chester from Gunsmoke is the main man in this one. I tried to get my parents to watch this because I rented this on Voodoo. So I texted my dad and I said, hey, you ever seen the, the movie Duel? And he texted back and said, maybe. It sounds familiar. So I said, mm, I've got one for him then. He's going to love this. Well, I described it to him. He goes, man, that sounds awful familiar. And I said, oh, by the way, it's got Chester from Gunsmoke in it. And I could just hear my mom from all the way 35 miles away whispering over to my dad, hey, we watched that about a month ago. So, yeah, that was wasted. Thought I was turning my parents on to something cool. And they Turns just out watched they it. were cooler than you. And it turns out they were already cooler than me. James, I kind of teased this to you, man, that um, I was going to save my thoughts you know, for the podcast to tell you what I thought about it. And I wasn't lying. I am going to save my thoughts. So, opening bumper cam. Pretty cool little opening sequence here. Now, the, the, the screen graphics, you know, the, with, with the credits... They look like the same credits that I use for some of our TikTok promos, but very cool opening. This movie, I had never seen it before. Um, Who are you, Wilma Shatner? Okay. (laughs) And I know that this is like, obviously this movie is significantly older than the reference that I'm using for it, but it reminded me personally of a movie that I grew up with that reminded me of this was um, Jeepers Creepers. I don't know how much y'all watch Jeepers Creepers. Like a lot. Yeah. This this definitely has some Jeepers Creepers vibes. Um, Yeah. Like, obviously this is before predates Jeepers Creepers by about 30 years, but just like the huge, brown truck going all over the road trying to kill this guy you know if if jeepers creepers is the original when a stranger calls duel is the new when a stranger calls because basically this duel the whole movie is the truck chase okay whereas you mean by that yeah yeah i I knew you'd get there eventually and i knew it it took me a minute to connect that but i got there yeah, so excellent. First of all, if all of Jeepers Creepers had just been the Creeper chasing Sarah Romer and Justin Long, um, it would be a five-star movie. It is a four-star movie on its Ouch. own. Ouch. Whoa, hang on. This is four out of five, man. Yeah, but Pretty you downgraded damn. just because there's more? Yeah, because don't you downgrade to, uh, I almost said to kill a stranger, um, when a stranger calls um, due to what happens after the opening babysitter scene? Um, I downgrade that part because it's boring. Well, yeah. Like, there's some really, the rest real of low parts. is not boring. Uh, You're boring. But, that, seeing this, seeing this big truck all over the road, chasing this, like, relatively mild-mannered man, reminded me of this giant truck barreling down these two teenagers in Jeepers Creepers. Yeah, you say he's mild-mannered. You ever see him in the old <laughs> west? A mild-mannered man on a Sunday stroll. Tones deadly wind. Da, da, da. Yeah, no, I've never seen Gunsmith. Michael Douglas in Falling Down. Well, I mean, this this guy is taking a lot. This guy in Gunsmith? Didn't we just say that? I think so. Yeah, yeah. The, the star of this movie was Chester in Gunsmoke. 
was replaced by Festus. You probably came along in the Festus years, didn't you, James? Much like myself. I did not know that. Well, now you're aware. But you know, the the drive that this guy is taking is a lot like my work commute. It's like seemingly, seemingly an endless drive with the most mundane talk radio. And that mundane talk radio is kind of important here. Um, You know, following the guy in front of him a little bit too close, talking to himself, answering himself, passing on double yellows, glaring at the guys he passes him. Knowing damn well he's getting stomped out if the trucker decides to make something of it. That's me. All day long. When's the last time you commuted to work? Yeah. It has been since March of 2020. So that daily commute. Not that daily. It's not daily now, but the, <laughs> the largest, the largest majority, well, that, that, uh, a majority is the largest part, you know, in itself. Um, but if you take into account the amount of time I've worked for this company, yes, this little year and a half is minuscule. Okay, it's not minuscule, but I'm just trying to make a point here, Casey. <laughs> I'm just like letting I, I, uh, I our listeners everywhere know how daily this daily commute's been over the last two years. Well, I want to let the listeners know exactly how much I relate to this guy. I don't think and he goes anywhere. Yeah, where is he even trying to go? He never even says anything. He's like, oh, I guess I'm going to miss whatever when he's at the cafe, and he never says like where he's going. Well, he's a salesman. Yeah, okay. I never I got that because I didn't. I didn't pick that up at all. He's a salesman. He's going to make a sale. Well, that's no what more. salesmen do. What's he sell? Latex Bibles? I don't know. I don't know. Vandalization. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, um, you know, it doesn't take long for this thing to get interesting, though. Like the the semi that passes the guy that passed him. You know, I think we can relate to this. You know, we've all driven. We've all encountered somebody doing something fucked up on the road. Like, this isn't a situation that you got to really stretch your imagination to understand. Like, by at least your mid-20s, you already know what this feels like. Yeah. Being in your mid-20s, Casey, would you agree? I am freshly out of my mid-20s, Billy. Freshly, you say? Like a year, two years, year and a half. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so freshly out of them. <laughs> He's a mild-mannered electronic salesman. Now, are you just throwing so, in the mild-mannered, or are you... Uh... I said mild-mannered. He's selling the electronics, Bill. Electronics, okay. Like computers. Probably. He's probably he's probably going to some big uh, warehouse to sell him a, fact, a computer or something. Okay, okay. Well, I mean... He might you know, be going to Radio Shack to see if there's any walkie-talkies, Bill. I don't know. Well, you know, art is subjective. So, if James, if you want him to be buying walkie-talkies, then that's what he's doing. He ain't buying walkie-talkies, he's selling walkie-talkies. That's what I meant. He's a salesman, Billy. Not a buysman, I'm sorry, okay? You know, back in, they had salesmen that went around to every store because they couldn't just pick up a phone and call somebody. They They had people actually go out to the actual store and say, hey, look at these wares I got. Would you like to buy 100,000 of these? And then they'd ship them to them once they made the sale. And you know, demonstrate the product. It's all swept under the rug now, Bill, in this day and age. Here we go. Old man Brown over here wants to tell us what's <laughs> wrong with the world. Or a man can't make a living <laughs> selling walkie-talkies anymore. Well, where we might kind of separate from, I guess, the way we relate to the, the, the mustached driver here is, like, 
our driver pulls into a service station and he's followed by the driver that semi uh, semis <laughs> who he just passed and the very same who re-leapfrogged him like we never see the driver you know we know he's got some slick cowboy boots on that would put Vic Jenkins to shame because you know we we see him kicking those tires Casey you don't know who Vic Jenkins is don't even fucking act like you Who is Vic Jenkins Billy He's the greatest car salesman that Middle Tennessee ever saw. <laughs> Wait, should I know who that is, bro? Nah. What about, Car- what about <laughs> Carnival Kia? Well, that guy. <laughs> Didn't he get in trouble for like some some arms dealing or something? Yeah, he went to jail for something. I forgot. It's like fucking Nicolas Cage in uh, Art of War or whatever that movie was. Well, anyway, we hear the station attendant telling Mustache that he might need a new radiator hose. Now, I don't know if that means anything later. Like, I feel like a little bit of preventative maintenance might go a long way, you know, for later. I don't know. But how do we feel about the two drivers encounter up to this point? Like, are we at least interested in what's going on yet? I'm interested. Yeah, I'm interested. James, James this little game of cat and mouse is uh, starting off slow. You know, I'm just... interested, well, yeah, it's starting off slow, but it's just fast enough. Just, uh, you know, just enough of a pace to keep you looking at the the TV thinking, okay, well, what in the hell's going on here? But Mustache gets back on the road, and of course, the semi-driver's back on his ass. So Stash waves him around, so at this point, the semi-driver's in front with a passing lane coming up. We know because of the sign. But when Mustache exercises his right to pass this time, old Rubber Duck ain't having it. He's veering into the passing lane and back to keep Mustache from passing him. Then he waves him around. And that's the part, this is probably the moment where I think, okay, yeah, he's he's definitely toying with him now. Like, things could be incidental. He might be trying to merge lanes and, like, oh, he saw this guy, so I'm going to jump back. No, now he waves him around. Like, yeah, th- this is a game that, well, I've got time today. So Mustache takes that bait and almost crashes head on to in, into some oncoming traffic. So it's clear now. Semi-drivers playing games with Mustache. Which is terrifying. It is the utmost, most terrifying experience you can have on the road. Unless the fucking cartel, like, forms a circle around your stopped vehicle with guns drawn, this is the most terrifying thing that can happen to you on the road. What in the fuck? Okay. That is terrifying. It is terrifying, James. And you know, there was a point where we see some, like, license plates on the front bumper of the truck. Okay, this got me because mm-hmm. I saw that and I was like, why the fuck does he have all these license plates? That's creepy. And why does he? Well, my thought was like, is the are these like cars he's mowed down? And then I went to the trivia section of the IMDB page for this very movie. <clears throat> and it basically confirmed that exact suspicion. <laughs> this is not a new game for the driver. Now... I won't say that I went and looked at the trivia page for that info. When I saw the license plates, I did think that they were tokens, almost like, you know, wearing, you know, a, a, a necklace of ears. It. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, don't be turned off now, Jane. I'm too late for that. Like old Dolph Lundgren and Universal Soldier? You already know the one, James. <laughs> but, you know, at this point, like, Mustache, he's got time. He's missed like his appointment. Tom, Tom Berger and Platoon. Him too, James. Him too. <laughs> so Mustache has missed his appointment. Or at least, you know, he thinks he will. So he's got time. So he catches this dirt side road 
and passes the semi. So he's won, right? He's won the game. No, it's over. That would be too what? simple. What? And too early in the movie. James, what kind of vehicles our guy driving, old mustache? I don't know, some old Red Plymouth, I think. Who makes the Valiant? Plymouth. I told you he's old Red Plymouth, Bill. Don't ever cross me again. (laughs) (laughs) Henry Ford over here. (laughs) You all right, James? (laughs) That's another thing my daddy made me do. Learn all the old cars. Well, do do you also know what kind of truck this semi is? Uh, I had to see it. I think it's a... Uh, you rat bastard. Okay, you want to tough talk somebody. You want to tough talk somebody. And then I give you a simple follow-up question. Oh, I got to check on that. Let me, let me look at it. It's a fucking Peterbilt. Is it a Peterbilt? It is a Peterbilt. So I don't think Spielberg, it's right, Beagle. Old Spielberg was shown seven different semis to choose from. And he chose a Peterbilt because the cab resembled a face. Which is a oh, wow. great choice. Very abstractly, it is a great choice. Because, I mean, sure, we could have the truck from Maximum Overdrive, you know, with the green goggles. A real face, yeah. Yeah, like an actual <laughs> face. Or we could keep it abstract and our subconscious if we're, you know, so frightened enough. Like, maybe not all of us see a face in that cab. But those of us who do might get, like, a subconscious extra shot in the arm out of this movie, you know? It's a little spooky. It is. But, you know, shout out to a very good friend of the show, Mr. Kevin Lyles. Worked for Peterbilt for many, many years. Uh, Kevin, we hold you personally responsible for any trauma caused by this film. That sounds right. <laughs> it is a 1955 Peterbilt 281 day cab pick-em-up truck. Well, welcome back, James. Welcome back. And he's hauling, he's hauling an old tanker, it looks like. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the, the tanker catches back up with Mustache, and like he's on him like, you know, Metamucil on your granny's breath. All right, I think, you know, this is the point where I start to feel the aggression. Like, before they were toying, like, with 45, 50, 55 miles per hour. But old Stash got this thing touching 70, and somewhere along the line, like, the stranger's touching that bumper. Like, you ever heard somebody say... Yeah, multiple times. You ever heard somebody say, well, if you're going to ride my ass, at least pull my hair. Well, this is him pulling his hair. I thought, okay, and I know I should have suspected... But, like, when he stops for gas and the truck just stops, too, I was just yeah, like, Yeah, that, oh. that's when I fill up and I go in and I have, like, the longest meal ever. Like, I, I'll eat Cheetos one at a time. With chopsticks. Bite by bite. With, yeah, with chopsticks before I get back out on that road. I just don't even, like, because, you know, I think we've all been in a situation where you were with a car that was driving crazy. Maybe not, like, this crazy. But, like, been on the road with, like, I'm going to pass this guy and stay away from them. Or I'm going to fall back and let them do whatever it is they're about to do. But I just think about, like, myself in this situation where this guy is focused on me and my car. And I'm not and sure what else. I would do. And, and I don't have a phone. And and I've never used a payphone before. And all you got is some walkie-talkies you're trying to sell in the back seat. <laughs> Wait, Casey, you've never used a payphone ever? No. Jesus. What? That's not that weird. It's twenty. It's not that weird, but it's just like your defensiveness in that no. (laughs) You said it mean. (laughs) Well, I've used the payphone. Well, look at you. Fuck. Welcome to bragging camp. (laughs) Oh, it's on. Class is in session. (laughs) 
Pull the chair. <laughs> I think Brad and Camp rears its ugly head for some weird subjects. Well, you know, Rick would get in trouble if he used a cell phone to call cowboys and angels. Probably. Keep it on that payphone. Can't track a quarter. 1 800 collect. <clears throat> I don't Cowboys and angels ain't collecting. So, because I've never used a payphone, I do have some questions. Um, that hopefully you guys can help answer for me. Um, there are no does... payphones outside the Best Buy. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, I know that. Um, when he calls the operator, how does the operator not know where he's calling from? How does the operator not know where he's calling from? Yeah, doesn't she get like a caller ID showing like the number that he's calling from? Not in 1971. They've got like these little switchboards. Um, and it, uh, it they yeah, make... a lot they're sitting there the operator sitting there in the chair there and a light comes, comes and they plug a big ac jack into that light to come on and and that's just jack. like your new headset no they're a lot bigger than that they're like five the times end of a light bulb ac jack as you normally see so they plug it in and they go operator and they say connect me to such and such well such and such is over here on another light board or peg, and they take his what they stuck in their board to answer it and stick it to wherever he's wanting to call. And that's how they connected each other. So this is a very physical job. Oh, yeah. You, you'd you rather be a lumberjack. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's right. They took that pay and gave it to somebody else. I was just confused specifically at one point he called and asked for the police and they're like, well, where, what, you know, like what police? And he's like, whoever's closest, like what? She's like, well, where are you calling from? And he tells her, and I was like, how does she not know that? Well, they should have a general area. They should have that phone labeled, that light labeled when it comes in, you know, where that phone booth is at. So that way, you know, they know where he is, but. It's not going to be specific, like GPS. GPS yeah, it's going to be a very general area. It's a line connected, an actual line connected to something. <clears throat> Thank you. You happy with yourself, James? That's right, Bill. And James knows this. all this because his hometown operator still uses this <laughs> method. <laughs> well, I'll tell you right now. Um, That's right, I love. Bill. Shut up, James. <laughs> I, God. Aunt B never had anything to do. It was Sarah. Sarah was the operator on the Andy Griffith show, and, and I know that's what you're trying to pull out of your ass right now. I'm not going to allow it. <laughs> Aunt B was the only woman you could think of off the Andy Griffith show, and that's why you said it. That's because she made bean pies, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love the camera angles used throughout these scenes, the chase scenes. Um, you know, especially the angles where you're seemingly like on the trunk of the orange red car like seeing the semi get closer, you get a real sense of, you know, the power under the hood and like exactly how toast you'd be taking on a semi. It was cool to look at like all the different angles, especially, um, I know when I was looking at the trivia and everything, it said how many times he like turned around or how many times he checked the mirror and stuff. And the amount of times that the camera has to do that over and over again. Yeah. It was like over a hundred total. It was like 40 something yeah, like mirrors, 60 over his shoulder. Damn. Yeah, yeah, it was, something, like it was something ridiculous. Like, so he barely escapes the semi and winds up at Chuck's Cafe. Really strong scene here for me. Like, this That's is where he gets... Place. It is a real place. 
it's like where he gets the most like confusing directions to the men's room. Oh yeah, <laughs> the guy tells him, <laughs> yeah, the guy tells him like four different directions when all he did was walk down the damn hallway. Okay, I understand something in this scene. The dude, not the guy in the truck that drives away, but the other guy with the gray hair. He just kind of looks at him when he le- when he gets there and when he leaves. What? Who was that dude? Um, that was um the guy who originally wrote the book was babysat by him. I don't fucking know, Rick. How do I know? Well, he never said anything the whole time. He just stared at him. I'm like, what the fuck? What, yeah, what, type of, what type of mental state do you think our driver's in as he walks into Chuck's? Rattled. Razzled. Rattled. There's another word I'm looking for. Mild-mannered. <laughs> maybe maybe a little paranoid. Maybe a little paranoid. Any little glance that cuts his way, that's got to be him. Well, the nightmare's like not over. Scene. This scene's amazing. And I, I feel like it's... I shot in this scene of him, like, walking through and being able to see him walk through. Yeah, so he comes out of the men's room, looks out that front door, and we see, obviously, our mystery machine over there parked in the dirt, right? Like, only problem is nobody's behind the wheel. So, this madman could be anyone in the diner. Like, you know, Mustache uses the same technique we use to figure out who's in the bathroom stall. He looks at their feet. And I really get a Hitchcock vibe from this scene specifically... But really, overall, you got the mysterious music. You got the the inner monologue of the protagonist. You know, he's trying to make sense of why the truck driver might have turned around and come back to Chuck. So he's reasoning with himself. You know, saying, well, Chuck's is the last stop for a while. And the driver must eat there all the time. So, like, he knew he wouldn't have a place to stop for a long time. So, of course, that's why he turned around. This diner scene, like, sucked me right in. If I wasn't already invested, this scene did it. Like I've seen, we've seen this a, a hundred times in you know Hitchcock films where the the guy has his inner monologue. He's thinking things through. You hear the the ominous music, and there's just something that doesn't quite sit right. It's not like a huge twist to what he, you know what he's talking about, but it's enough to ask you or make make you ask yourself, yeah, why is that? I think something that's cool about this scene too is that it's not a tracking shot but it is a very i mean like for a time that was probably pre-steady cam i might be wrong in saying that but um it's a long shot and it doesn't cut i didn't really notice that i might need to give it a second look it's a cool looking scene yeah it's almost like i don't ever want to take anything away from spielberg because he's fucking you know spielberg especially this being his first movie yeah yeah, but it's almost like he took a lunch break and said, hey, you know, my guy Al Hitchcock's over here. Um, you know, we're going to let him take over while I'm on my lunch break. And then this is the scene he directed. And this is what we got. But, you know, in all of this trip, this is, you know, a lone trip. There was a time where uh, Richard Matheson like considered having uh, the character. The character's name is David Mann. Uh, I call him Mustache for obvious mustache. reasons because he has a beard. And... Like, they considered having, or he considered having Mustache's wife with him in the car. I guess to add a, an extra variable. I don't think to, I would have uh, liked that as much. Yeah, no, I, I don't think I would have at all. Now, I can There's understand wanting to have some... something about being alone when all this is happening. Yeah, but you need to have those inner thoughts. Without yeah. those inner thoughts, then it's just quiet. 
And I think what they were trying to accomplish with having the wife in there was having someone to have dialogue with. Don't need it. Didn't Nah, nah. That isolation, like you're on an island by yourself, man. You got to, you, you've got to get you out. Now, 1971, I'm quite sure they wouldn't have made like the, you know, the, the, the heroic woman type character in this movie. So maybe it is best it was left out. You make this movie in 2021 with a female lead. You got some badassery going on. I would see this. I would see this in 2021. Give me Brie Larson in a tank top. Gotta be a tank top. Yeah. I'm just thinking about Kong Skull Island. She's a saleswoman. Yeah, but... She's selling she... those walkie-talkies in the backseat. Yeah, but this time she's a bra saleswoman. I'd buy no. And that's when uh, I must crown I, Brie I, Larson I the hammer of this know. film. Preemptively. <laughs> well, the exposition is, you know, is done through, you know, the, the inner monologue of David Mann, Mustache. Now, we did catch a little bit of a swerve. <clears throat> you know, one of the guys that Mustache is kind of pegged for the semi-driver gets up and leaves. And he's actually somebody who's like kind of eyeballing him like Rick was talking about. Um... I know you weren't talking about this guy, but you were talking about that type of look that he was giving him. Um, you know, we, we think, as does Mustache, that this is our guy because he's starting to walk out to that semi, even gives a little pat on the front of the uh, the grill and disappears behind it. But no, not at all. Um, you know, the hidden behind the semi is just a regular, uh, you know, regular old pick pick em up truck. The guy drives away. Um, you know, crazed driver still there. You know, Mustache starts a fight with another guy. Uh, who he thinks could be him, but he's wrong there too. So in the commotion of the, yeah, dead wrong. In, in the commotion of this whole fight, somehow the real driver slips out and, you know, we see the, the, the semi on the move, you know, mustache ain't quick enough to catch him on foot. So, you know, he loses his shot of IDing the driver. ID is a funny um, abbreviation because the I stands for I, the D stands for dentification, RIP Norm MacDonald. This diner seems one of my favorites in the whole the whole film. Anybody else, or you know, just you know, was it just whatever to you, fucking? No, movie I mean it, it was a good scene, especially the part when he thinks it's the guy and he's talking to himself, and then he slaps the sandwich out of his out of his hand, and the guy's like, "What the hell?" I was like, "Damn, dude!" That guy what was mild mannered. Yeah. What in the hell? I mean, imagine you know? seeing that. You're just chilling, eating your sandwich, and some dude comes up to you, and he, like, says, quit, quit it. What are you doing? You know, you need to stop. And I'd be like, what the fuck? My sandwich alone. I've heard James say that a couple of times. You know, Parker <laughs> Parker Brothers merchandised uh, this movie with a board game. Really? Yeah, this and it didn't sell. Game? Yeah, it did yeah, not sell well. Um, and, you know, it, it's hard to get a hold of one. Man. <clears throat> I would love to get a hold of this board game and play it with the three of you. There would be a beautiful holiday activity for us to take on. No, nah, this is like a Wednesday. I'm not spending holidays with y'all. <laughs> Thanksgiving, after we visit our families, we all get together and play Duel the Board Game. <laughs> <laughs> While driving in a truck. <laughs> chasing some poor lady. That would be magnificent. And it would be all thanks to you, James, for bringing this movie into our lives. <laughs> Who else thought it was funny that Mustache is yelling at the kids and the bus driver for sitting on his hood, like afraid that they dent it? But like the whole driver's the whole side, side of that of whole car, car. <laughs> it, it is like 
going to the refrigerator down the side of his car, but he doesn't <laughs> want him to sit on the hood. <laughs> You're going to dent it, you little 60-pound little girl. Dude, and what kind of Maytag man bus driver wears that type of hat and uniform? Like, what the hell? Hey, buddy. Did your bus driver in elementary school not wear that exact outfit? Mine did. No. Weird. Did you ride the school bus, Rick? I know that if we had been making faces at the back of the bus to cars behind us like those kids were, our bus driver would have beaten us. (laughs) Beaten you? Her her name was Miss Wilson, and she was terrifying. We had to face forward and be quiet all the time. And you didn't do that. You went to a magnet school, didn't you? Okay, uh, magnet, this is when I w- this is before I went to the magnet school. This is when I was just at like my regular zone school. Oh. That's when she went to the normal school. What's considered a normal school? Not ours. I mean, turkey's done. <laughs> I just mean that the magnet school didn't have public transportation. Well, here's the thing. Like, I didn't check and see what the rating on this film was. I did. Would you like to know? Well, I mean, it was PG, right? Yeah, I thought oh, it was PG. I thought you meant re- review rating. Never mind. No, 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 no. I didn't check, like, the, the rating for this movie. It was a PG. Well, it was made I for thought, TV. Yeah. Um, TV let a lot of shit go by back then. But the reason I bring that up is because we've got this scene with all these little kids and... The truck driver plowing in the background. Like, did anybody else think that the semi-driver was just going to plow through those kids? Yeah, I yes. did. Absolutely, I did. Was anybody else rooting for it to happen? I wouldn't say rooting for. Well, the little girl who wouldn't get off his fucking hood, you know, she probably <laughs> she probably needed something. If not a semi running her down. surprised that it didn't. At least being thrown from a vehicle or something just something light like that but apparently the semi is like not a peterbilt but it's a fucking prius because he ever so silently and invisibly sneaks up on mustache at this railroad crossing like how you let that happen dog like you're you're wide awake he's been on your ass following you at every stop how do you not glance into your rear view even once and most importantly, how do you not hear the rumble of that engine behind you? They did not seem to be affected. No, the loudest Maybe of all... Maybe got away, Bill. Well, the loudest of all street legal vehicles on earth. And Mustache doesn't notice shit until his car's getting butt-fucked by this semi. Help me understand. Maybe he's hard of hearing, and they don't dive into that. Well, maybe you're hard of excusing people, okay? Maybe. Maybe I am. Well, you know, there's nothing comedic about this film. Uh, but... wrong. When he knocks the sandwich out of that guy's hand, it is really funny. <laughs> well, okay, I'll give you that. There's not much comedic about this film, but when Mustache stops at that old lady snake ranch <laughs> to use the phone... No! That was really sad. <laughs> Do you think that was funny? No, hang on. No, not all of it. Okay, I'll let you keep going, and then I'll decide if you're a heartless monster. Well, he walks by the cage with all the rattlesnakes, and the phone booth is next to it, and he's like, that's a funny place for a phone booth. (laughs) I don't know why I thought that was funny. Maybe I'm the only one. Well, fuck all y'all, then. (laughs) I laughed at that part. Did you laugh? That's an odd phone booth. (laughs) That's a funny place for a phone booth. (laughs) Like, you're on the phone, and suddenly you look down, and there's this fucking copperhead with his mouth wrapped around your calf muscle. I did not laugh at that part, but I appreciate that you guys did. (sighs) You know, Spielberg, if nothing else, 
is a master of the giant object behind you appearing closer than it is shot. Yeah. Like we, we saw it in the Raiders of the Lost Ark with the giant boulder chasing Indy. And we see it here at the Snake Ranch with, you know, the semi just barreling into the phone booth. And I'm man enough to admit, I held my breath because I knew Mustache was going to be like, you know, Nordberg on the naked gun, like stuck riding underneath that bus. Like amazing shot here because in the first shot, the most important shot, like that truck looked so close. Well, and that part apparently was real. They had to like time it for when he ran out. Do you remember the explanation of that? I remember seeing something about some flags and that if the truck got to the, if the driver got to the last flag before he saw any movement out of uh mustache. Yeah. That he, that he there, knew to veer away. Basically. Yeah. There were flags set up leading up to the booth and the final flag. Uh, if he wasn't out of the booth by then the truck had to drive off because otherwise was- it would have mowed him down. Yeah, it was like 50 feet away, right? So still plenty yeah, of... Yeah, there was no stunt double. Uh, our dude, Mustache, did the whole thing by himself. Yeah, he ain't putting up with no shit. He don't want some pussy-ass stuntman coming in there. That man's been on Gunsmoke for years, uh, standing beside James Arness on the daily. No, stunt double? No, thank you. I'm sure he had a stunt double for some of the stuff, you don't think? You don't fucking know. Well, now he I gotta look. stunt double, Bill. His name was Van Winkle. Van Sickle. <laughs> Van Sickle, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, Van Sickle. Dale Van Sickle. Dale Van Sickle, but that's who it is. <laughs> well, much like this man's name, Snake Ranch is destroyed. Uh, old Stash escapes in the car. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I felt bad for the lady and that fucking... Coyote on a chain. Well, the coyote was fine. But old Mustache <laughs> escapes in the car, you know? Semi tears out after him, but old Mustache is out too far. And he finds this little blind spot to hide in, you know? he uh, Like crooked cops do when they want to catch you speeding. So, like, the semi, not seeing him, drives on past him. And, like, <laughs> Stash is in... Yeah, so Stash is in the clear and does what any of us would do. What I want to do right now, takes a nap. I mean, whenever I'm being chased by someone who wants to take my life, I catch a few winks anytime I can. Well, Bill, if you so worked up, you guess you got tired. Well, that's, that's fair. I guess I should make sure that I'm as close as I can be to a railroad track so it scares the fucking shit out of me when it comes by. At least I'll be able to set my watch. So a lot of time's gone by here. He's, you know, taking this nap. The evening train comes by. Semi's probably at a shell station down the way, fueling it up by this point, right? Right. Hail to the null. That motherfucker's been waiting on Mustache in the hot sun. Another game of cat and mouse ensues when Mustache puts the pedal down only to be cut off by the driver. So he's basically, you know, backing up when Mustache is far away. And when he tries to get by, he'll pull out in the road. But the trucker's game is really confusing. Yeah, it's confusing because, like, Stash tries to approach him on foot. And what's the driver do? He pulls away. Now, he stops a pretty good way away, but... He, once he's being approached on foot, he doesn't want any part of that, which is kind of odd. But Stash tries to get help from this old couple driving by, and they're not with it. At all. Mm-mm, at all. But this is another uh, throwback to Hitchcock, because there is a direct ripoff of Psycho with the very similar sounds from the shower scene. Ripoff or homage? I say homage. Don't yeah, be afraid of Steve Spielberg. Yeah, I ain't scared tell of her, shit. Tell her, Rick. Tell her, Rick, I'm too mad. He's too mad. 
I don't want you to tell her that I'm too mad, Rick. She already heard that part. He's too mad, Rick. (laughs) (laughs) More mindfuckery follows as the semi-driver signals for Mustache to get out in front and lead the chase once again. And this is where we get the famous line from from Mustache. Is he, he's being chased uphill. James, you know what the line is? It's a long way to go. Oh, for I know what he says. He says like you, you can't you can't catch me on this ten percent grade or something like that. Pretty close, Rick. And that that would have rolled off the tongue a little bit better than what he actually said. Go around, man, you rat bastard. <laughs> you can't beat me on the grade. You can't beat me on the grade. I think this is Duel's version of we traced a call. It's coming from inside the house. I say it all the time, Bill. God. Man, I tell you what. The the microphone has improved substantially. The mute button has ceased to exist. He's muted right now. Well, I thought I could be on this and it'd just be me. I can't just pick up my audio. Yeah, so the dogs are going to look at him and be like, oh, he's wearing that headset. we got to shut the fuck up. <laughs> that's, what they, that's what they were doing, yeah. Like, oh, 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 sorry, James. I'll go in here and lick my balls. <laughs> he's got that headset on again. <laughs> you ever, ever beat me on the grade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this chase goes on for some time, but we find the chase running parallel to a train for a time. And like in my mind, Stash is going to bait the trucker into chasing him over the tracks to meet about the only accessible machine that could take the semi down. Like you're being chased by a gorilla and with a stroke of amazing luck, you run into a grizzly bear, you know? I do know. Rick, who yeah. wins between a gorilla and a grizzly bear? Uh, Don't answer this, James. A grizzly bear? How do you fucking? Because grizzly bears have claws. I'm pretty sure gorillas have claws, but I think grizzly bears are a lot bigger. You think gorillas have claws? Gorillas have fingernails. They don't have claws. No, they have fingernails. I mean, like, do they bite them? What makes them? (laughs) Yes, because they're they're naturally nervous. (laughs) They're very nervous animals. They're the only other animals. Grow out into claws. Opposable thumbs. God, I oppose you all. No, they they wear they wear down walking around and stuff. <laughs> dragging his nails on the ground, dragging his knuckles around. I guess I just thought they'd be longer. I didn't think like a full like talon. But yeah, looking at pictures online, I see. <laughs> well, also gorillas are substantially smaller than grizzly bears. That's got- what I said. I said grizzly bears are a lot bigger. No, a gorilla would beat a grizzly bear. James, Why? I am so disappointed in you saying that because a man who a is as out can, who is as a outdoorsy can grab grab you, Bill. A bear can't grab you. They can just paw you around. They could slash you with their claws because they don't have fingers. Would you rather be grabbed around the head and shook around <laughs> or clawed in the back? James, grizzly bears can still wrestle. That yes. grizzly bear will hold a gorilla down with his hand no. and just pull the meat off his bones. Are you kidding me? A gorilla is faster than a grizzly bear. Yes, but that's... They can also, I, I don't think that's true, James. I don't think that's they true. They can also use primitive weapons, Bill. Sticks and stones. 
James, have I, you been watching Kong versus Godzilla? Because he's not picking up a war axe to fight this fucking grizzly. Yeah, he's going to hit him. Have you ever seen a grizzly bear attack a gorilla? I googled it. Who would win, a gorilla or a bear? Hold, hold that thought, Casey, and I, I no. want you to be. I want you to be the gorilla's got hands, man. <laughs> I want you to be the final answer on this because I want to hear. I want to keep hearing the nonsense that James is going to spew out of his face. Have you ever seen a gorilla? I want him to bury himself 12 feet under <laughs> with his claims of gorilla superiority over the grizzly. Ah, uh, well, I have you know that a gorilla is superior over a grizzly bear. Just on the at simple the, fact at, that they've got thumbs. At th- they're not thumb wrestling, James. Here. They're not they thumb, thumb wrestling, wrestling and they're not right doing though. Sudoku either. This is a primitive fight to the death. A grizzly, a, gr- a full-grown grizzly bear will maul a gorilla to death. No, a gorilla, a big fucking razorback gorilla, whatever they are. Silverback. Silverback gorilla is almost the same size as a grizzly bear. No, I don't think mm. that's true. Okay, chime I- in, Casey. Let's hear the facts so James can hang up the jump. A, bear, a grizzly bear is going to jump. That gorilla's going to jump on that grizzly bear's back. You've been playing too much Donkey Kong. Uh, a grizzly bear can stand up on its hind legs like nobody's business. So it'd be like nine out. feet tall. Okay, it's my turn now. Yes, please. The average silverback gorilla is around three hundred and fifty pounds and stands at five and a half feet tall. I'm taller than a God. fucking gorilla. Good God, James! You've got the a shot against a fucking gorilla. Billy, you gotta be tall. A grizzly bear is 800 pounds, 7 feet tall. That's 450 pounds. And it says that the grizzly would most likely win 10 out of 10 times. That is false statements, Bill. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, where'd you get that at? The fucking internet? Because that's the most... (laughs) Because it's full of shit. God, you sicken me, James. As much as you spout on and on about Sasquatch, I would think that an outdoorsy man such as yourself. There's a a 17 minute video on YouTube that I'll be sending to the group chat after this is done so we can all watch and see the anger. A Sasquatch would rip a grizzly bear's head off, Bill. Oh, that's unquestionable. A gorilla. Can you is smarter than a grizzly bear and will use tactics. I guarantee if grizzly bears and gorillas lived in the same area together, that the gorilla would get the upper hand. James, that gorilla has to get close enough to do any kind of damage to the grizzly also, bear. And that grizzly bear will hold it hold him down like a salmon and also pick him clean. Packs, Bill. So oh, no, 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 we're talking about one. We're talking about one on one. We're not talking about ten gorillas, so stop moving the goalpost, James. I still we put it gorilla. in terms you can understand. Quit moving the goalpost. Gorilla would still beat up the grizzly bear, even when he's been proven wrong. He has not been proven wrong. He could choke a grizzly bear out, Bill. What if he gets on his back? What's the grizzly bear going to do? That grizzly bear he ain't got no neck. He can't grab him because he ain't got no hands. Do you not understand grizzly bears can stand up on their two back legs and walk? So can gorillas, in fairness. Okay. That is uh, exposing their soft underbelly to vegetable bodies. 
and yeah, the Kings so on three. The, the Grizzlies and not going to stand up on his feet, to, on his back two to fight. How strong a gorilla is. I think you underestimate how strong a grizzly is. Yeah, a grizzly bear is not as agile as a gorilla. Agility does not equal strength. I don't remember how this relates to what we were discussing or how we came to this subject. It's going to be faster than the grizzly bear, Bill. Yes, he he might be faster. He might be more agile, but I don't know that he is straight line faster. How fa- Casey, how fast can a grizzly run? He ain't got to be straight uh, line. Pretty fast. All you got to do is sidestep an old grizzly bear. We're not talking about the Mike Tyson of 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 gorillas, James. He's not getting in and wearing out his body, his soft underbelly. Instincts to fight, Bill. They go for soft underbelly, James. Eyes, genitals, and soft parts of the skin. At maximum, a grizzly bear can hit thirty-five. At maximum, a gorilla can hit twenty-five. Damn! Silence from the peanut gallery. Mm-mm-mm. You're telling me you're going to sit there and tell me something that has no thumbs and potentially retarded is whoa. going to be whoa. the whoa. largest uh, primate mammal there is besides a human being. It has opposable thumbs. <clears throat> James, you really seem to be banking on these thumbs. The man has got hands, Bill. He can <laughs> grab my heart for you. Yes, but 350 pounds of... The thing can climb a tree. I think they can both climb trees, guys. They can both climb trees. And one of them weighs 450 more pounds than the other does. And once that more weight gets on the tree that this gorilla's climbed up, guess what? That gorilla can jump to another tree. I ain't never seen no bear jump to another tree. Well, hang on. What was the question? Who would win in a fight or who could escape the other one easier? I'm saying, all right, Bill, this monkey, gorilla, ain't going to fight. He's going to think about this, Bill. He's got a mind. He's got to fight this grizzly bear. So we're going from King Kong to Abraham Lincoln now. (laughs) Give me six hours to chop down a tree. I'll spend four hours sharpening the axe. The grizzly bear would lose to the gorilla. Well, the good thing about all this is in this film, there is no grizzly bear and there is no gorilla to be taken out. So that shit didn't happen and neither did the train thing that I was hoping would happen, but it would have been great. But what ha- what did happen is our boy Mustache, who didn't think he needed a new radiator hose earlier on, suddenly finds himself in a world of hurt because that very hose has laid down and died on him, and now he's sucking bad air, begging for God, Allah, Buddha, Jewish guy Tom Cruise, and Oprah Winfrey to give him enough steam to get down the fucking downslope of this hill, or get to the downslope of the hill. Now, I like think gang- when he was at the snake lady's thing, she, he asked her to look at the hoses. I just think the truck came in out of nowhere and kind of started tearing stuff apart before anything could get fixed. Yeah, yeah, I'll give him that. But the very first guy told him, hey, you might want to get this looked at. Yeah. Let this be a lesson to you. If they see, if they say you need a new radiator hose, new wiper fluid, antifreeze, hubcap fluid, you tell them to top it off. You understand me? Okay, Mom. Especially the hubcap fluid. It's winter coming up. And I, don't think that's, I think you're steering me down the wrong path. And steering, your you know, power fluid. steering fluid. Power steering fluid is real. Okay. I know that because one of my friend's cars leaked that for years when we were in high school. <laughs> really? Hey, all right, listen to this. You would need a grizzly bear strength in order to turn that wheel. 
I remember my first car didn't even have power steering. Like this whole conversation has been going by, and and James is researching Grizzlies. That a gorilla punch is strong enough to shatter your skull with one slam of its arm. What about a grizzly punch? Thirteen thousand to two thousand seven hundred pounds of force. Gorillas, on average, four hundred pounds have a muscle mass density of almost four times higher than the most heavily muscled, powerful human known. So apples to apples, I'm not beating up any gorilla. Is that what you're saying? You're not. I am. Now let's talk apples to pomegranates. A gorilla's tearing them apart, or that the gorilla's getting torn apart. Did James have a stroke or something? He's probably researching. Probably. Well, y'all, mustaches. You know, by the end of this odyssey of blacktop bullying, he he's had it up to his up to his caterpillar with his semi driver and his asphaltian attacks. So he devises a scheme to rid him once and for all of the crazy driver. Even if it means sacrificing the beloved car, excuse me, the beloved car that's gotten him this far, Mustache drives the car head on into the semi's grill, jumping out of the moving vehicle only at the last moments, or at least long enough to, you know, keep out of harm's way when the shit inevitably hits the fan. So the car, in flames now, mind you, hits the semi, doesn't even change the truck's trajectory, but it does block the driver's vision. Partially from the car in the grill, partially from the rising flames, but it's enough to cause the crazed conductor to drive into a precipice that he won't soon return from. Not as sexy as having a CSX locomotive cut it in half, but good enough to crown Mustache the winner of this game of highway tag. Okay, I understand something, though. When the when the semi-truck went over the cliff, why did it not blow up? It was leaking something. Because. So, tell him, Casey, okay, yeah. I'm too mad. <laughs> It should have blown up. It said flammable on the thing the whole damn movie. It did. It did say that. And Steven Spielberg actually argued this point, too, because network executives wanted the truck to explode after it went over the cliff. But Spielberg argued this. He wanted the truck to show as slowly dying so the audience can get a sense of payback since the truck had spent the entire film torturing the driver. Um they found that the executives thought it was unsatisfying, but Spielberg wanted to treat the truck as a monster more than a machine. And he actually told them that if they wanted him to reshoot and add scenes of it exploding, that they needed to find a different director. So it's oh. a little rough. If you're going to blow this thing up. I'm the fuck out of here. Which is kind of funny that he held like held that leverage since this was his first movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah um i mean yeah, at like some point you gotta think else, ooh, like yeah we totally can <laughs> <laughs> like, we don't we barely know you sir right <laughs> but it worked does that answer your question rick yeah i just think it should have blown up at the end but... you can't be pleased rick rick should watch fucking um maximum overdrive yeah, watch Maximum Overdrive. You gotta have, watch Maximum I Overdrive. I have Maximum Overdrive. It's one of the worst. Hey, I have Maximum Overdrive because of the, the, the soundtrack is probably the greatest ever. But I oh, guess God. if you're on cocaine and you write a movie, then, you know, I mean, hey. I guess James has got something to say. I understand, Bill. You've seen these gorillas in the wild. You would not even believe that the bear had a chance. We're not talking about a black bear. We're talking about a grizzly bear. <clears throat> I don't give a damn what kind of bear it is. 850 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal, man. This thing is going, I'm going to run up there, Bill, like Big Papa Pump. 
and grab it and German suplex that bird. Well, I think your Steiner math is off a little bit here. <laughs> this thing's wild, Bill. This ain't just laying out there eating bananas and stuff. That grizzly James. bear will smother him like 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 Rikishi does. He ain't yeah, gonna get, get near him, Bill. <laughs> well, he's got to get near him if the gorilla wants to win. Not necessarily, James. We're gonna continue this off air because we got. Out, <laughs> he's not gonna tire. But listen, James, I'm gonna be completely honest about this film, okay? Now, this is this is what I'm basically. I, I was trying to evade answering this question earlier, James. I don't even want to hear it, Bill. Well, you're gonna hear it. I had to damn watch mad. it. You're gonna hear it. Straight. He's so damn mad about this gorilla talk. <laughs> well, I came into this almost as if I had two Jameses sitting on my shoulders. Okay. <laughs> One of them said, "Bill, this is a Steven Spielberg directed movie." Of course it's going to be great. Another one said, Bill, you know me very well, and it's me picking this movie. Consider the source. And? They both slapped a little bit of sense into me, so I asked myself, who am I to doubt the godfather of Droll? I watched with an open mind. I embraced the simplicity of the action, along with the depth of the cerebral suspense. And I'm here to tell you this is a goddamn great film. <laughs> this is a fantastic film. I have done it. <laughs> Rick, what say you? Uh, I was surprised. It was kind of slow at the beginning, but it really picked up, and I thought it was, it was it was good. If you had to be one of Roger Ebert's thumbs, would it be thumbs up, two thumbs up, one up, one down, both of them in the middle, like Joaquin Phoenix on Gladiator? Uh, just be like it'd be. One thumb up, I guess. Oh, you bastard. James, I wanted to wait till the end to tell you this. Steven Spielberg stated that he approached this movie in the manner of a Toho monster movie, replacing Godzilla with an 18-wheeler tanker truck. So with that in mind, what are your final thoughts? I had heard that before, but that's the reason I picked it, because I know you'd love it when you heard that. <laughs> I wanted you to see it for yourself, Bill. You always have me in mind, James, and I appreciate it. Casey, we need to hear uh, some critic reviews. Well, first you have to hear my review. I was getting to that. No, me first. Okay, whatever. I'll just rearrange my fucking question over here. You just asked everyone else what they thought, and then you get to and me, the, and you're like, And the Casey, final thing was going to be your say? thought. The final Fine. thing to close out the show was going to be your thought. But hey, oh no. let's go ahead and Don't worry let's about do it. all the things that you want to do. <laughs> There's someone on the wing. Something. So um, Rotten Tomatoes has this movie as an 88%, uh, which is pretty solid considering that it's a t- made for TV movie. Yeah, um, Spielberg was giving somebody hand jobs for that. Go ahead. Sorry. I don't think so. I like this movie. Um, uh, we've got some positive reviews. Um, one of the positives that I liked was it says road rage taken to new heights of exploitation by the boy wonder, which I don't know why we're calling Steven Spielberg the boy wonder. But um, One of the two negative reviews on here says this 1971 made for TV movie was one of Steven Spielberg's auditions for Jaws and the same slickly impersonal shock effects prevail, which that guy is a hater and I don't like him at all. 
because I love Jaws and I really enjoyed this movie. Speaking of Jaws and this movie, fun fucking fact, um, the roar sound effect heard as the truck going over the cliff is the same roar sound effect enhancing the death of the shark in Jaws as the carcass goes underwater after being blown up. And it is a clip from the movie The Land Unknown from 1957. It would have been cooler, though, had they used, like, the audio from Monty Python, Tis but a scratch. I don't think that's I guess it would be appropriate for a truck, you know? Well, I would consider that that truck's pretty banged up. But would you now like to hear what I think? I would... I think the movie of all time. (laughs) I want to hear two things out of you, Casey. Mm, Your final thoughts and... What we're watching this week for next week's episode. Is it me? Oh. Ooh, okay, real quick. Um, <laughs> okay, that's fine. I That's fine. <laughs> There's someone on the way. <laughs> I thought it was I'll you. Hold him, oh. I'll hold them off with my Shatner impression. <laughs> James, you and Rick are in trouble. No, um, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. Maybe I'm uh, a doctor, not a medical worker. <laughs> I like this movie. Um, I wasn't sure what to expect, but it was very fun. Yeah. Definitely one that is relatable, and I always love a relatable scary horror movie. Um, I, the movie that I'm picking is one that I haven't seen either. I don't know if you guys have seen it. I say either. Um, it's Raw is the name of the movie. It is a French movie on Netflix, oh, hey. I think. Hey, the Eddie Murphy thing. It is okay. Hey boy. Hey boy. <laughs> it is. You look mighty cute in them jeans. You ain't got no ice cream. Cause you are no, on the welfare. Did you pull on welfare? It is raw. R A W. R A W. It is from 2016. <laughs> Yeah, it's. God, he is. I never picked this. Oh, it's on Netflix. Actually, everything I was just saying, I think, was on Delirious, not Raw. <laughs> My bad. So, where are we going to find this classic film, Raw? Apparently, it is on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Oh, uh, Rick, you need to uh, steal somebody's credentials so we can do a live watch party. Yeah, I do. <laughs> well, that sounds like so it's sad. not going to happen. <laughs> well, okay. There it is, Raw from 2016. And where'd you say this film was from? Uh, it's French. It's French. Well, okay. um, I'm sorry. It's from it's from Belgium. The language is French, as what I'm seeing right now. Okay. I was and if any of you guys I, watch it dubbed, you can just quit watching it. Watch the damn subtitles. Hey, people watch things for different interests and different needs. We can watch it however we want. Yeah, you snobby bastard. Hey, it's on Amazon Prime. I'm good. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, you could also pirate it, you pirating bastard. I could. I know there's a good website I'll mention. Yeah, don't mention. So we'll be back next week to review the movie Raw and play that game. I don't know if I can watch this or not, Bill. (laughs) Crack the case. I want to play Crack the case next week. Do you want to play Crack the case next week? We're going to do that. We're going to play Crack the case and we're going to review the movie Raw the Belgian waffle film of the century. So, all right. <laughs> for the Godfather, for the Godfather of Droll James, for Memphis Menace Rick, and for Final Girl Casey, I am Billy Graves. 
Grizzlies are better than gorillas, and this one is. Raw!